Good Friday morning, another unprecedented moment for Donald Trump. For the first time ever, a former president poses for a mugshot. It's August 25th. This is today. Booked. Former President Trump fingerprinted, photographed, and released overnight. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. Mr. Trump already using that mugshot to boost his 2024 campaign. What happens next and the possible impacts on the race for president? We're breaking it all down. Putin speaks out, the Russian president adding to the mystery surrounding the presumed death of his longtime confidant turned rival, the mercenary who led an attempted rebellion believed to be killed when his plane went down. What U.S. officials are now saying about the deadly crash and who they think was behind it. Burning up. Another day of record-breaking temperatures expected for more than 80 million people. And now, the tropics are heating up too. Tropical Storm Franklin gaining strength in the Gulf Coast on alert for another storm. Al's tracking all of it. Prime suspect, the infamous serial killer known as BTK, now linked to two more unsolved murders. I absolutely believe they were probably on a victim. The new evidence police discovered and what the notorious killer revealed to them during a prison visit. And ready, set, go. Gymnastics legend Simone Biles competing today, her next major step toward the 2024 Summer Games. We're live with what could be a preview of her much-anticipated return to the Olympics. Today, Friday, August 25th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And a very good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday morning here on Today. Savannah and Hoda are off. Chanel is with me a little bit early. Good, good morning. morning. To you as well. Uh, let us start with that historic image that you are already seeing everywhere. Donald Trump becoming the first U.S. president to have his mugshot taken. And like so many other things concerning the former president, that image, just the image, is dividing Americans. Trump already using it as a fundraiser, posting it overnight, along with the phrase, never surrender. His opponents making it go viral for other reasons, using it to go attack the former president. Trump surrendered to authorities in Atlanta last night after being indicted on 13 counts in the Georgia elections case. It marks the fourth time this year he's been arrested and booked on criminal charges. So... What does it all mean politically and legally as the 2024 election starts to heat up? We've got it all covered this morning, and we'll start with NBC's Blaine Alexander in Atlanta for us. Blaine, good morning to you. Well, Craig, good morning to you. Mr. Trump's motorcade came right down this street and entered the jail right here at this gate behind me. He was on the complex, on the property for just 21 minutes inside the actual building for even less time. Several deputies tell me that that is the fastest booking that they have ever seen by far. All of it, of course, giving way to that stunning image of a former commander in chief posing for a mugshot. It's an image never before seen in American history, a mugshot of former President Donald Trump released overnight by the sheriff's office in Fulton County, Georgia. It comes after Mr. Trump surrendered to authorities at the county jail, where he was officially charged with trying to overturn his 2020 election loss in Georgia. He remained defiant as he left the state. I did nothing wrong. And overnight, describing the surrender to Newsmax. No, it's, uh, it is what it is. I took a mugshot, which I never heard the words 
mugshot that wasn't didn't teach me that at the Wharton School of Finance. Now, the former president is trying to turn the unprecedented photo into a political asset. His campaign is selling mugshot T-shirts with the caption, Never Surrender, and posting the image on X, formerly known as Twitter. His first post on the platform in more than two years since his suspension after January 6th. With the area around the Fulton County Jail on heavy lockdown, Mr. Trump was inside for less than 20 minutes. Entering booking information, hair color, blonde or strawberry, eyes, blue, height, six foot three and weight, 215 pounds. He was then released on a $200,000 bond. Charles Shaw, the bail bondsman who facilitated Trump's release, spoke with NBC's Gabe Gutierrez. It was a wow moment, an overwhelming moment, and I just wanted to make sure that we did it right. Outside the jail, a parade of supporters. Will you vote for him? Absolutely, 100%. Even with the legal challenges, even with the indictments? Yeah, because they're phony. This morning, 17 of the 19 total co-defendants, including Mr. Trump, have turned themselves in ahead of today's deadline set by D.A. Fonnie Willis including former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, seen here in a mugshot of his own. This morning, the GOP frontrunner Surrender is making waves on the campaign trail. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in Iowa asked if Trump's legal troubles will overshadow the primary race. If Republicans let it overwhelm, then it will. But we don't have to let it overwhelm. And we are closing in on that noon deadline for the remaining co-defendants to turn themselves in. The sheriff says he does believe that everyone will surrender by that deadline. Now, about that mugshot, Craig, I understand that the decision to take such a picture was not made lightly. In fact, I'm told that discussions as to whether or not the mugshot would be taken were happening as late as yesterday. Craig. All right, Blaine Alexander starting us off there in Atlanta. Blaine, thank you. Let's get some perspective on the overnight developments from NBC senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett and NBC chief White House correspondent Kristen Walker. Ladies, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Um, let's start with the legal side, Laura. So the president now, he's been he's been booked. He's posted bond. We've seen the mugshot. What does this mean for the case moving forward now? Where does it go? The le- legally, the most important aspect of this entire sort of process for the former president is that he abides by those conditions for his release. Remember, we've seen the sort of paper that sets out the fact that he can't intimidate witnesses. He can't even talk to his co-defendants about the facts of the case. And we know that former <laughs> Mayor Rudy Giuliani said, yeah. oh, I talked to him earlier this week. We don't know what they talked about, but it just shows you sort of the delicate dance the prosecutors are going to have here to decide when do we want to bring something to the judge's attention and the judge how much does he want to enforce this how strictly does he want to read into it how how, how do they go about enforcing the the conditions of the bill the prosecutors if they thought there was a violation they would bring it to the judge's attention and then they would have to hold a hearing and of course the judge wouldn't necessarily throw him in jail right away he could issue a contempt order he could give him an admonishment he could do a fine you could do any number of things short of jail Former president also changed attorneys there in, in Georgia once again, just days before uh, he was he was booked yesterday. What, if anything, can we glean from that? And do we know yes. if the attorneys quit or if the former president fired them? We don't know. It's okay. hard to know whether is it about money? Is it about strategy? We've seen it before. He has something of a pattern of switching lawyers late in the game. I will mention, though, the person that he has hired is someone experienced in criminal defense in Atlanta, someone well known in those circles. And so you can understand why you want someone on your side in this case like that. Chris. And let's turn to the political mm-hmm. uh, ramifications. Um, take us, first of all, just inside Trump world. What are, you, what are you hearing from from people who are in that inner circle about what transpired last night? That surreal moment of seeing a former president's mugshot. 
It was a surreal moment. I spoke with aides who were traveling with the former president, and they said he remains defiant. And I think that was highlighted by his decision to post his mugshot on X, formerly known as Twitter, the first tweet we have seen since January of 2021. And he is using this as a rallying cry, taking a step back. This fits into a strategy we've seen from the former president since 2016. He is making the case it is him and his supporters against the establishment that he is taking on the machine for them. So politically speaking, this is compelling. But if you talk to some of those in his inner circle, they say, look, there's some political concern as well. Georgia is a key state that he would all but certainly need if he wants to win reelection in a general election campaign. And while his core supporters love these images and they're going to rally around these images, it it could be counter and it could have the opposite effect for independents, for example, those critical voters who would make all the difference in a general election. I I mean, I think some folks probably thought that the first impeachment or the second impeachment might dent um, my Dennis popularity among primary voters, that didn't seem to have the effect. Mm-hmm. I think folks thought maybe after the first, second, maybe even third arrest. Now there's a fourth arrest. Now there's a mugshot. Is there any reason to believe that this will be the thing that finally sways some of some of the former president's most diehard supporters? There's no indication that former President Trump's diehard supporters would waver at all for any reason. And look at what we saw this week, the first GOP primary debate. His Republican challengers were asked, would they still support him if he was convicted of a crime? This extraordinary moment where six out of eight of his challengers on the stage raised their hands. His allies in Congress are vowing to investigate Connie Willis, the D.A. So it's very hard to see that this would have an impact in the primary. But again, in the general election, it's potentially a different story. Really quickly, Laura, last question. Of the four cases the former president now faces, uh, the case in Mar-a-Lago, the hush money case here in New York, the special counsel's case in D.C., um, of, of the four, from a legal standpoint, where is he most vulnerable? The mishandling of classified documents mm. is the one to watch because that's the one where you have a cooperator, and that's what makes it different. Lord Jarrett, Kristen Walker, ladies, yeah. thank you both. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, now to new developments in that midair mystery in Russia. The head of a mercenary group believed to be killed in a plane crash months after leading a short-lived uprising against Vladimir Putin. This morning, for the first time, the Kremlin is responding to speculation that Russia is behind the crash. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel is following this story for us closely. Richard, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Not surprisingly, the Kremlin spokesman, the spokesman for Vladimir Putin, denied that the Kremlin or Putin was involved in any way in the killing of Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner Group, this mercenary army who led an uprising against Putin, calling it Western speculation and a lie. But U.S. intelligence is drawing its own conclusions. The U.S. believes Russian mercenary leader Yevgeny Prigozhin was likely on this plane when it suspiciously crashed outside Moscow on Wednesday and that he is dead. British officials are calling it very likely. But what exactly brought down the plane is still a mystery. Two U.S. officials said intelligence gathered so far points to sabotage, with one official saying a leading theory is that an explosive was placed on board, although they can't say with certainty. U.S. officials are convinced this was no accident. 
but payback for Prigozhin's mutiny two months ago when he dared to lead a column of mercenaries toward Moscow and challenge Russian President Putin's grip on power. While many suspect he ordered the hit, Putin said Russian investigators still need time to learn all the facts. He offered his sincere condolences and described Prigozhin as a talented businessman, but who also made serious mistakes in his life. The Pentagon says there's no indication the jet was hit by a surface-to-air missile, that the heat signature of a launch wasn't detected. Russian aviation officials say they've recovered the remains of the 10 people on board. Some so disfigured, identification is difficult. Whatever happened at 28,000 feet was catastrophic in nature, and it basically knocked the airplane out of the sky. This morning, new images were posted on Russian social media showing the wing that was ripped from the plane in mid-flight, reportedly found nearly two miles from the crash site. The Kremlin has so far made no mention of Prigozhin's mutiny, but the message seems clear without it. If you challenge Putin, this is the price. So Richard, what does this mean for the Wagner Group and the war in Ukraine going forward? So the Wagner Group had already stopped fighting in Ukraine after the mutiny. So it hasn't really been a factor on the battlefield in Ukraine for the last several months. But people in Ukraine uh, see this as a positive development because there was always this concern that Wagner under Prigozhin could be used to launch a new offensive. But the group still seems to be somewhat in disarray uh, as the Russian military and Russian intelligence are trying to absorb former assets and fold them into the Russian military. Chanel. All right, Richard Engel, thank you. There's new fallout this morning from those devastating and deadly fires in Hawaii. Overnight, the county of Maui releasing the names of nearly 400 people still unaccounted for. And this, as the county is now suing the Hawaiian Electric Company, alleging negligence. NBC's Sam Brock is in Maui for us once again with the very latest. So, Sam, let's start with that lawsuit What's what's at the heart of the lawsuit? Sure. So, Greg, this is the 13th lawsuit that has now been filed against Hawaiian Electric. What makes this so significant is, Craig, it is the first time that the county is directly blaming the utility for what happened and seeking just compensation. They're saying right now this is a systemic failure of the power grid system-wide. Now, there are three different components of that lawsuit. Let's talk about them as it pertains to negligence. One of them is not de-energizing the lines. Craig, they say that with the high wind warnings and red flag warnings, that should have been a common-sense course of action. It didn't happen. They're also alleging that they did not maintain their equipment and clear out nearby dry vegetation that could be ripe for blazes and that they failed to turn off the electricity once the lines were down, potentially further fanning the flames. The county of Maui right now is looking to recover tens of millions, perhaps hundreds of millions of dollars to rebuild. The county attorney told me it's not exactly clear what that figure is going to be, but it is expected to be fairly significant. We also know that this investigation is not over yet. The ATF is still investigating right now as it concerns Hawaiian Electric. So they are supporting the people of Maui, supporting the county, and they did issue this statement overnight which says in part that we are very disappointed right now, quote, with this decision, but that they are also disappointed they chose this litigious path while the investigation is still unfolding. It's also important to note that the county has previously said they couldn't de-energize the lines. It wouldn't be smart because it would prevent the water systems from being functional should they have to fight fires, correct? 
All right, so Sam, that's the latest on the, the 13th lawsuit in the investigation. Let's talk about the ongoing search here. Overnight, officials releasing the names of, of hundreds that are still unaccounted for. What more do we know about the latest on the search? Look, that list of unaccounted for has fluctuated a lot. We know that. Here is the very latest. The county of Maui has released 388 names. The qualifier to make that list is the fact there was a first name, a last name, and a point of contact. Now, there is some good news here as well. They said that there's 1,732 people who have now been ruled accounted for, which is to say they've been taken off of the list. The police chief says he knows this is heartbreaking and so difficult for people to absorb, but it will help their investigation. And one more bit of breaking news, Craig, we learned that the youngest victim, it appears at this point, was a seven-year-old boy who was just trying to escape the flames with his family members in their car. Craig? Oh. And there's a, um, presumably a picture of that boy right there, uh, Sam Brock Force uh, on Maui. Sam, thank you. All right, turning to the weather now, 83 million people under heat alerts this morning from the south to parts of the Midwest. Cities in those regions could see record highs. Meantime, parts of southern Michigan and Ohio drying out this morning after flash flooding left several communities underwater. Some areas seeing more than an inch of rain an hour yesterday, leaving roads impassable near Detroit's airport. Hundreds of flights, as you can imagine, delayed and canceled. And now it's the northeast getting pounded with rain. So with that, Al is here to tell us about that and a couple of other big storms you're keeping an eye on. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys, and good morning to you. And if you're in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, you're dealing with the heavy rain, showers and thunderstorms from Boston here into New York City and also down into uh, parts of Virginia and the Carolinas. We're going to be watching this move through. It's probably going to have some morning airport delays throughout the morning into the early afternoon. Now to the heat, as we heard 85 million people in uh, being impacted by heat advisories, heat watches, heat warnings. That dome of high pressure making the for the heat, the triple digit heat, even worse with the humidity levels. It's going to feel like 109 in Augusta, 112 in Lake Charles, San Antonio, 105, Kansas City, 108. And that continues again tomorrow. But to the north of the jet stream, that dividing line, if you will, look at this into early next week. Nice and comfortable here in New York with temperatures upper 70s, mid 80s in Cincinnati. But still from Houston, Tallahassee, Jackson, it's going to feel well above 100 degrees right on into early next week. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Mr. Roker, thank you. Coming up here on a Friday morning, a notorious serial killer now back in the spotlight, suspected in two cold cases dating back nearly 50 years. Our Jesse Kirsch is following that story. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Craig, good morning. Right now, Dennis Rader is behind bars for having killed 10 different people. But it turns out investigators believe he may be responsible for even more violence. What we know coming up. All right. Thank you, Jesse. And then later, it could be an early preview of the 2024 Paris Olympics. Simone Biles and some of her Olympic teammates competing against each other will preview the action. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed that's an appropriate song now 7 30 august 25th is Jacob Sobroff joins our party. So, I mean, here's the thing. Every plaza crowd is is devoted. Yes. This crowd especially (laughs) be devoted. Little shower, not getting them down. Well, this is a little more than a shower right now. (laughs) But... But if but? we look at the radar, uh, there is some good news out okay. there. Uh, you can see the heaviest stuff is on us right now. Uh, that should clear out in the next 30 minutes. And then there's just going to be scattered showers. The good news is no lightning because if there's lightning, we've got to clear the plaza. But it's just heavy rain now. Next 30 minutes, things get better. All right. They've got Thank their ponchos. They're not going again. anywhere. That's what I'm Keep saying. Keep us posted. Yeah, we're good. All right. Uh, we turn now, though, to a notorious serial killer who's back in the headlines Dennis Rader, also known, better known as BTK, is already in prison for the rest of his life. But now investigators in Oklahoma are linking him to two other cold cases. NBC's Jesse Kirsch live for us with details on this. Jesse, good morning. Guys, good morning to all of you. Publicly, Dennis Rader was a church congregation president and a Boy Scout leader. But for nearly 20 years in secret, he was also an infamous serial killer. And now it appears his list of victims may be even longer. He slayed 10 people, styling himself the bind, torture, kill murderer. I have many what I call them projects. And this morning, authorities believe 78-year-old Dennis Rader, the infamous BTK serial killer, may be responsible for even more deaths. Searching his one-time property near Wichita, Kansas, and digging up new evidence, including these pantyhose. I absolutely believe they were probably on a victim, and he took them after after he killed them. He took them, and and he kept them as, as a reminder. Oklahoma's Osage County Sheriff's Office says Rader is the prime suspect in multiple unsolved murders and missing persons cases, including the 1976 disappearance of Cynthia Dawn Kinney. The 16-year-old was last seen at a laundromat in Pahuska, Oklahoma. Sheriff Eddie Verdon also suspects in 1990, Raider may have killed 22-year-old Shauna Beth Garber, her brother by phone, telling NBC he does not think Raider was responsible. But Garber's body was found in Missouri in an area where Raider's own daughter remembers fishing with her father. He's a narcissist. Yes, he's a pathological liar and a sexual sadistic psychopath. You have to be very careful with him. Raider killed in and around Wichita from the 1970s to the 1990s. Then in 2005, he was caught and eventually pleaded guilty to 10 murders. The case has repeatedly been the subject of documentaries, including a show Sheriff Verdon happened to see, prompting him to visit Raider in prison. That's when the sheriff says unexpectedly, 
BTK may have tipped his hand on Kinney, last seen at a laundromat. He said, well, you know, there was my favorite fantasy. Would you would you want to hear what it was? And I said, sure, why not? And he, he, he looked me in the eye and he said, I always wanted to kidnap a girl from a laundromat. How many more victims do you think the BTK killer you know, had? I can't say for sure, but I can tell you the investigation needs to continue. So, Justin, I mean, what's what's next in the investigation? Yeah, so, Craig, right now, Raider's in the middle of serving 10 consecutive life sentences for killing a group of people ranging from age 9 to 62. But investigators, the sheriff tells me that he is going to continue to follow these leads because he wants to get closure for more families. And Raider's own daughter says that she recently went to see her father in prison, seen him in person for the first time in nearly 20 years to help investigators out. We reached out to Raider's attorney. He is declining to comment on a case that, without question, we will continue to be following guys all right jesse kirschforce there jesse thank you all right coming up we are going to head live to the kennedy space center today where they are preparing to send a new crew to the international space station as a new space race is taking shape we'll break down what's at stake but first the gymnastics goat is back in action simone biles ready to take her next step towards the paris olympics nbc's emily aketa is on that story what's up emily hey there well the formidable force that is simone biles all eyes will be on her what is she going to throw? What skills could we watch as so many compete to try to make one of the coveted five spots on the Olympic team? That's all coming up. Back now with in-depth today and an in-depth look at the return of the GOAT. Simone Biles will be back in action tonight at the Xfinity U.S. Gymnastics Championships in San Jose, California. It is the most decorated lineup of competitors ever, all vying for a spot at the Paris Olympics. NBC's Emily Akeda joins us now with the de- details. Emily, good morning. Good morning to you. We all know who the headliner is. Seven-time medalist Simone Biles flying high off her win at the Core Hydration Classic just two weeks ago and looking like her old self. But she isn't the only big name competing today. Suni Lee and Jordan Childs will also be part of the mix as the prep for the 2024 Summer Olympic games heats up it's the next step in her historic comeback simone biles set to take the floor in the u.s gymnastics championships later today fresh off her all-around win two weeks ago at the core hydration classic biles is reminding people why she's the most decorated gymnast ever it felt really good but biles isn't the only star at this year's championship all-around 2020 olympic champion suni lee as well as olympic teammate and silver medalist jordan childs are just part of this powerhouse field Competition is fierce to qualify for an elusive and exclusive spot on the 2024 Olympic team. This competition will allow all athletes that compete a chance to make national team. And what that does is it qualifies them to go ahead and compete and try out for Worlds come this fall. But aside from all the athletic star power that will be on display in San Jose, this competition offers an opportunity to shine a positive light on a sport that has been riddled in scandal in recent years. We have been failed and we deserve answers. Speaking on Capitol Hill in 2021, Biles slammed the, quote, entire system for enabling sexual abuse. While acknowledging what has happened in the past, we can still continue to move forward and be strong. In the Tokyo Olympic Games, Biles stunned the world, withdrawing from most of her events in 2021. Biles saying the pressure and emotional toll of the Olympics led to a case of the twisties, where gymnasts can get disoriented in the air. I had no idea where I was in the air. You could literally see it in my eyes in the pictures. Like, I was petrified. 
She's since used her platform to highlight the importance of mental health and seems to have her confidence back on the mat. Now, all eyes will be on the 4'11 Dynamo, who will try to twist, turn, and explode her way to another championship. This is such competition. Absolutely. I mean, of all of the athletes who will be competing at an individual level tonight. Yeah. So then how do they start to decide, you know, who makes the Olympic team? It is quite the process. And remember, we are less than a year out from the Olympic Games, and so we're really going to see some impressive skills likely um, tonight will influence who gets to go to Worlds, and that will influence who lands one of the coveted five spots, just five spots, to the Olympic Games. So maybe, Craig, we'll see another one of those Yurchenko double pikes. From yes. Oh, nicely really done. Can nicely expect, done. Expect those skills. And, you know, experts are saying this could be the toughest year yet to wow. break through. We could see... All of the members of the Olympic team this year actually have already compete, could potentially have already competed just with all of the big names that we've yeah. been seeing. Remember the name Gabby Douglas? Sure. Well, three-time gold medalist. Yes. Of course, we all remember her. Well, she's not competing tonight, but she has been posting some of her yes. skills, her bar work in recent weeks. She is eyeing Paris 2024 too. So it is oh quite the field so of competition. Exciting. I think it's exciting. It yep. is so exciting. Yeah. yeah. One, one thing's for sure. Whoever makes a squad, we're going to have one heck of a team, uh, a beast team. in Paris. Absolutely. So, it's a good problem to have. Emily, thank you. Thank and you. folks, Thanks, you guys. can watch this all-star women's field, including the aforementioned Simone Biles at the Xfinity U.S. Gymnastics Championships tonight, 8 Eastern on Peacock, Sunday night, 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. That's so exciting. All right, let's take another look at your weather this morning, Al. All right, guys. Well, hurricane season 2023, tropics are starting to heat up. Uh, we've got Tropical Storm Franklin. We've got this invest area. We're also watching something that may be getting together in the Gulf. First of all, Franklin is going to be staying offshore, but next week, high surf and rip current threats from Charleston all the way up into Maine. But down here, we're watching this tropical disturbance that has a 70% chance of development in the next seven days. Now, this time for our first model fight of the season. That's right. First off, we've got the European model. It's scrappy. But we've also got the American model. How's that going to shape up? Well, here's how they are going to shape up right now. This is what we're looking at. Gulf of Mexico. Monday, both models have this low forming in Western Caribbean. A low develops and moves to the Northeast. Well, the American model, it's a weaker system, moves across Florida early Wednesday, limited impacts. The European model, slower, stronger, too soon to determine specific impacts. So we'll have to see who comes out on top. And that is your latest weather. Guys, kudos to the weather graphics department. Yeah, oh, that's right. Cool. Brian Van Aken, my man. That was yes, sir. On our art department. Uh, guys, coming up on Popstar, big music news from a trio of superstars. The new songs released overnight. And who dropped big album news? And we have a boost that will have you flying high on this Friday morning. <laughs> 